It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here we go, Las Vegas at 12 noon on this Monday, September 27th. Welcome to Nighttime at Noon, live from Studio 31 at City National Arena in downtown Summerlin, Nevada. Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Duva alongside Ashley Weiss, the newest addition to our Golden Knights broadcast team. We'll take you right through 1 o'clock today. Will Nickel will join us, talk all about the Golden Knights preseason opener last night, preview tomorrow, and we'll get to know Ashley a little bit too. Ashley, Uh, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful, especially coming off last night's game. I know it wasn't the result that the VGK fans wanted, but nonetheless for me to just be in the building and sense that energy for just a preseason game it exceeded my expectations all you guys warned me what it was going to be like even on the preseason but still blew me away over 17,000 for a preseason game and you know in terms of uh excitement it wasn't the most dramatic and thrilling hockey game we've witnessed here in Las Vegas over the years uh preseason or otherwise but you got that buzz especially early in the third period when the Knights had two power plays, scored on the first one, and then there were chances on the second one. That was about as loud as I think I heard the building last night. Yeah, absolutely. There was also a rush after that Cotter goal. You know, they're both yeah. after each of those goals, there was a big momentum shift, and you thought, uh-oh, something was going to happen. But, yeah, definitely sensed it from the fans at that time. You know these fans want to see some power play goals this season. So yeah, that would explain it. After the struggles last year, ranked 22nd in the NHL for a team that tied for the NHL's best record overall and was ranked 22nd on the power play. Number one penalty kill, but 22 on the power play, something that we'll be talking about all season long. As Pete said after the game last night, it can't be solved in just one game, let alone a preseason game. It's a season-long process, and ultimately the, the barometer will be Do they score a power play goal in the playoffs when they need one? And that'll be a few months off from now. Lots between now and then. And lots between now and the end of the program. Will Nickel will be our guest at 12.30 Pacific time. Will is the Golden Knights Director of Player Development. So if there is ever a time to talk to Will, it's right now. Because there are those veterans dotting the lineup. Pacioretty, Stevenson, and Stone, the top line going in yesterday, amongst some other veterans. There are those minor league guys they've made the step from amateur hockey up to the professional ranks some guys one two three years at the pro level and then there are those who are just starting out into pro hockey lucas cormier for instance told us before the game last night he had never played in front of a crowd larger than maybe ten thousand, and then you get seventeen thousand for a preseason game in las vegas and uh, you know he's 19 years old the game's a little faster at this level than it is at the queue And uh, I wonder how many butterflies were in the gut of players like Lucas Cormier who have never been in front of a T-Mobile Arena crowd before. Yeah, I can only imagine because you hear guys at the professional level. You know, Brett Howden is a good example. He said, I think the first time he came in this building, he had butterflies after warm-ups and had to tell himself to calm down. Alec Martinez actually told me that um, whenever I was first meeting him and chatting with him about his days with the Kings. So, Yeah, I can only imagine what it is like for a young kid, but all in the same token, what an opportunity, right? It's incredible. And I also think about the opportunity for you. Was that your first time seeing a game inside T-Mobile Arena? It was not. I did see a couple during my time with the St. Louis Blues. I traveled with the team, so I had been here, I think, only once pre-COVID times, though. Um, So I did know what it was like. It was super cool to be on this side of it, though. You know, whenever... 
you're on the other side of it, you're watching, and you're kind of like, oh, God, this could get. Just in warm-ups, because you sense the energy, you sense the crowd, and you just know that the home team is going to feed off that. So, yeah, really incredible to be on this side of it. What was it like going on the air and trying to hear a producer in your ear while trying to collect your thoughts to go on television? Yes, I was going to say I had a couple takeaways, three takeaways, I will say. One, it was too loud to hear <laughs> Dave and Shane. I could not hear Dave and Shane. They were pitching to me, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of guessing what I think they just said. Someone is frantically pointing at you. You're exactly. on, you're on. Exactly. Uh, it was also a little bit too loud, a little bit too loud to think. But the third takeaway is that I wouldn't change it for anything. I'm so yeah. pumped. Uh, yeah. the, even the bench interview, I talked to Peyton Krebs just after the team took the ice for warm-ups and, you know, have a mask on, which – totally on board with keeping everything safe but between the crowd and trying to yell literally yell at him I think I'm gonna have to work my diaphragm a little <laughs> now that I'm here and know that I'm gonna have to be talking over all of these yep. crowds because my throat's a little scratchy this morning so you know it's dry here in Las Vegas it is all. you have to uh, speak from the diaphragm not from the mouth it's yes. one of the things they teach you especially when you're trying to project to a crowd and someone, I saw Peyton laughing because he was trying to, he was, he was trying to hear what you were right. saying, and, and he you, couldn't. And you can't read lips. That's the thing. The masks are yeah. great for safety, on board with it. But you know, we'll we'll get through it. You're not we'll quite sure. It. Well, then you also just have the the dynamic of it's the first game of the season. A lot of the routine. We're trying to remember how to do a lot of this stuff. Exactly. Got into the radio booth last night and, and just, well, where do, where do I put my notes? Where do I put my little lamp? Where do I put my binoculars? Where, wait a minute. It's, and it's only been three months, so it's a re relatively short off season compared to what it, it can normally be. Just being back in a hockey building and seeing hockey in person, how is that for you? Incredible. It's always incredible. Yeah. It's always like, you know, October 12th can't get here fast enough. The preseason's great, uh, but there's the different feeling in the air. That's where I'm comfortable. That's my comfort zone to me. Yeah. Being at a live hockey game, that's where I am my happiest. I can truly say that. And the Golden Knights would be happy if they got through training camp without any injuries, and uh, that did not happen. Mark Stone gets a puck in the ear in the first period. Sasha Shemilevsky scores a goal. San Jose takes the lead, and a lead they would hold on to. one nothing after the first, 3-1 to one after the second. They win the game 4-2. to two. But Mark Stone leaves after getting a deflected shot in the ear, goes down on his belly, clearly in pain, needs the assistance of an athletic trainer at first, but then he gets up and he gets off the ice on his own power and was grimacing, whether in pain or frustration. Pete DeBoer said after the contest that he was kept out for precautionary reasons. You never know what might develop over the course of uh, a day whenever the head is involved, but it was more for precautionary reasons that Mark Stone was kept out. And Stone had, with his regular line mates, started with Stevenson and Pacioretty. The other players who did not finish the game, uh, we don't have an update, at least I don't, are uh, defenseman Shea Theodore and Braden McNabb. And those are the guys, Stone, McNabb, Theodore, they're trying to get the rust off. They're just trying to get their timing back. We know that those are players who will make the roster. Their spots are pretty much secure, and Pete was hoping to just get through healthy, and those question marks are already there. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Definitely don't want to speculate too much on any of that. Um, would not be great if those guys were not able yeah. to be on the ice for opening night. Better to happen now than in six preseason games from now. Hopefully a little bit of time to heal. Um, hopefully there are just bumps and bruises as well. I mean, like you said, these guys are going to make the roster, so if there's anything just nagging a little bit, you don't want to risk it. You don't want to send it back in. Why <laughs> even do that? Um, but also, 
there's no bright side to this. Do not get me wrong. But these young guys who are competing, that lights an extra fire under them to not know, you know, is, D is Dylan Coughlin going to be yeah. in the lineup on opening night? Things like that. So it definitely allows people to step up their game and see what some of maybe these younger guys are made of. And this is where depth really comes in. And right. that's what we've talked about heading into this season is how much deeper this team what is than it was at the end of last season. So I mentioned Patrick Stevenson and Stone are the, the de facto top line, right? Same group that led the Knights last year. Stone was the team's leading scorer. Pacioretty just behind and led the team with the 24 goals last year. And then the second line, Marcia So, Carlson, and Smith, they were, you know, one point in Golden Knights history, clearly the number one line. It's not quite the same now. They're a darn good number two line, if you want to call them that. They did not play yesterday, and the veterans sort of alternate games at this stage of the preseason. Pete DeBoer will tell you that. The first handful of games, it's just shaking the rust off, get to see some prospects, some of the minor leaguers. And then the last couple of games, number six and seven, that's really where you're tweaking the lineup, find out what you want to do going into October 12th, game one of the regular season here at T-Mobile against the Seattle Kraken. But there is something to prove for the additions. So Matthias Janmark, though he was with the Knights down the stretch last year, and he's with the team in the postseason, the big hat trick we recall, he is newish to the organization, plus Nolan Patrick, plus Evgeny Dodonov. Those guys align. Interesting that the three newest forwards, I'm going to put newest in quotes, again, Yanmark was here last year, the veteran guys, they are all on a line together. And of all the possibilities, I don't know if it's a coincidence or by design that it so happens that Yanmark, Patrick, and Dodonov are there together. I think that's interesting as well especially whenever you hear people wanting to know what the third line is going to be. Whenever you see yeah. all these additions, it, it's like, are they going to have a real third line with a true identity? And now you bring all these guys in and they're on a line together. And that's something that's super important down the stretch because you always hear about the top six. And then the fourth line gets talked about regularly just because of the energy that they can bring. Of course, if a fourth line contributes, then that's even better. But sometimes the third line kind of gets left out, but it's really what can make a difference whenever, you know, you are making a run for the cup. That's what stands out whenever you get those goals from unexpected places, whenever you can roll the lines and really from one line to the next, from one shift to the next, um, you know, not have any discrepancies, not have any gaps in energy. So it is interesting and it's nice, you know, to think of some veteran players being able to do that and finding a way to fit with a new team, but they're also veterans, right? So you're not yeah. too worried about them and their hockey sense. And even Nolan Patrick, who I'm with you, though he is of age, only 23. He's been an NHL player for four years. Now, he missed one year with the migraine trouble. We know that. But uh, given his pedigree, number two overall pick, um, he's been around the National Hockey League. He's not on the cusp of making an NHL roster. He did that for the first time four years ago. But uh, aside from hockey, I wonder how many of these guys, like you, Ashley, are just walking around trying to remember everybody's name. Who are all these people, right? You know, if you've been like Patrick in the same organization for four years, you know everybody with, you know, management, coaching changes aside. You pretty much know who's in your organization. So with your own experience uh, close in mind here, Ashley, what's that like? It's tough. Let me tell you, it's tough. And I'll, I'll tell you why. There's so many people in the organization from the wonderful people on the business side to the hockey operations side. Luckily, players are a little bit easier because you've been hearing these names 
for so long, as long as I've been covering hockey. But I've been making a joke to some people whenever I introduce myself. I'm like, have I met you already? I'm so sorry <laughs> if I have. Because you don't you don't want to introduce yourself to someone and then right. be like, I met you yesterday. Yes. That, we had that lunch, don't you remember? Look, yes, that would make me look so terrible. So that is definitely <laughs> the hardest part, remembering faces, not remembering names. I will get there. But I'm sure that that is something that guys like Nolan Patrick are having to get used to as well. And memorable conversations. Have you yes. had any interesting chats with anybody – Hockey players, staff, outside of the organization, memorable conversations in your first uh, week or so in Las Vegas? That's a tough question. I think a lot of my most memorable conversations came from the media day interviews. That's kind of whenever mm. I was getting to meet the players for the first time. So That's a cool experience. And, and then people might not know what that means. Can you right. share with our listeners what that is exactly. for you? Exactly. So during media day or content day, the players all come in. It's whenever they're doing their off-ice testing. So it's really the first day of camp, but they're not on ice. So they're making the rounds, doing some stuff that you see on the video board. But also it's when we do our sit-down interviews that you'll see throughout the season on AT&T Sportsnet. So there's a long list of questions from just getting to know them um, to, you know, certain storylines that we kind of predict might come up during the season. And, you know, it's a challenge because you're trying to – you know, talk to these players about things that will still be relevant in February if they want to do yeah. a feature, you know, so that's yeah, a the, challenge. The evergreen stuff we right. say in the business. Right, but it's um, it was a really great opportunity to sit because, yes, there's some questions, some points that I need to hit, but it's also a good opportunity not on a bench, not meeting these guys for the first time saying, oh, what do you think about the power play, you know, X's and O's things. It's a really good chance just to, to get to know these guys a little bit and have some casual conversations before the cameras start rolling. So that's really, really big for me. And it was super enjoyable. Um, I think something that I've said to a lot of people is Jonathan Marcheseau, so whenever he talks about hockey, I, the passion is like indescribable. Yeah. It's, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about his personal life. We talked about um, his kids and his kids playing hockey, which was incredible. Um, but the second he started talking about hockey, and about how badly he wants to win. It was like a new light in his eyes. And I was like, this guy is serious. This guy wants to win this thing. He said the other day, in fact, it was yesterday before the game, he said that playing for the Golden Knights was the pride of his life. And that's telling you something about where this organization fits into Jonathan's impressive career. And you're talking about as a you know, smaller player coming up, undrafted, Patrick Watt, his coach at the junior level, who has uh, a great deal of fire that perhaps was contagious. And Jonathan bounced around through different organizations, uh, felt that in Columbus he was promised something that was not delivered, which was a legit NHL opportunity, didn't happen, ended up in the Lightning organization. He got a shot, but there was no room for him to stay there. But at least they gave him a shot, went across to Florida, played with the Panthers, had that great breakout season, and then comes to the Golden Knights. So this is the longest hockey home Marcia so has ever had. Now, five seasons. And uh, given what has happened here and the success he's enjoyed, it's, it's really interesting to hear him talk about it now with a little bit of retrospect. And I look forward to hearing some, some more of that. Uh, Jonathan's, he's a character. He sure is. Uh, we know that. And uh, we'll be chatting with him throughout the season, of course, on television, on radio, along with uh, the other Golden Knights players and staff. Will Nickel coming up, Golden Knights Director of Player Development. He'll join us bottom of the hour. And uh, we'll get to know a little bit more about Ashley. We, we put out a tweet. I should say you yes. put out a tweet. Yes. Asking for um, advice, tips, people who are in Las Vegas, who've lived here, 
try to look out for the newcomers. Four years ago, I was one of them. You know, what? You know, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, right? I grew up 10 minutes from New York City. I look outside, I see the Empire State Building. Here in Las Vegas, I look outside, and I see an Empire State Building. It's not the same one, but uh, close it's, enough. It's, it's close, right? Pretty realistic, it's, I it, think. It's, it's very different. And then they put a Golden Knights jersey on the Statue of Liberty uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs four years ago. I mean, this town never ceases to amaze me. So, uh, Twitter. What's your yes. Twitter handle, first of all? It and later is. on, I want to get to some of these responses. But yeah. for some folks who are listening right now, maybe they haven't seen your tweet. So what are we looking for here? What, what are we yes. looking at on, on the social media? Twitter handle is at A-S-H-A-L-I-V-I-S-E. First name and last name. But my One name more time. How do you... A-S-H-A-L-I-V-I-S-E. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. That's just about everything. So my name is spelled different so it'll take some time it, it's not the to. normal spelling of it's Ashley. not we, the normal spelling we might to be say accustomed the least, to to say the least but you know hopefully you find me on there a-s-h-a-l-i-v-i-s-e tell me what i need to know about living in vegas for the first time yeah it's new for me. yeah check out the tweet and we'll get to some of the the interesting responses later on in the program again will nicholas coming up talk about how the veterans have been in the lineup we'll also ask will about some of these young guys the prospects um the guys in the minors who's coming along how rookie tournament went, etc. Before we come back, I want to tell you about Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem. It's not in Las Vegas, Ashley. There are other hidden gems here, but Rock Creek is up in Montana, the heart of Montana. It's a 28,000-acre cattle ranch with a little something for everybody and a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. You can escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Visit RockCreekCattleCompany.com for more information. With Ashley Weiss, this is Dan Duva. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. They get a pass now, though. Stripped away. Now the puck is there, and they score! Nolan Patrick was on the doorstep. Max Pacioretty was there to put the puck in. He just jammed at it. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. That was last night on the radio. Max Pacioretty, a third-period power play goal with Nolan Patrick right there in front. And a presence on the power play that the Knights have not seen too often, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, how will the Knights improve their power play production. Had a few cracks at it last night, and that was the one that went. Max Pacioretty, last year, of his 24 goals, six were on the power play. And shortened season, obviously, so it's hard to kind of put those numbers in a career context. But with the Knights on the power play last year, 22nd, and actually it seemed to me that it was a different dynamic than what the Golden Knights had put together last year. But there's uh, there's at least one start in the right direction for the power play. Yeah, it's important. And the most important thing is that it's confidence, right? That's the biggest universal answer that, has seemed to have been there between Pete DeBoer, between the players. Yeah. Jonathan Marcheseau talked about it a little bit, that there's not a magic potion for a power play. Everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Nothing's really groundbreaking here. It's more confidence-based. And so just like we talk about with Nolan Patrick having a fresh start and how big of a difference that can make for him, a fresh start on the power play can make a big difference. All you have to do is see if you go in the net, and then you never know what's going to happen. I did think it was interesting, though, Day one of camp, day two of camp, Pete DeBoer said that he talked to Bruce Cassidy at some of the Olympic yeah, meetings yeah. and how coaches are kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. Of course, 
the Boston Bruins have had tremendous success on the power play under the Bruce Cassidy era. So it's kind of interesting that these coaches get together. They are all going to be, I guess, at the Olympics in February, but it's just interesting how they're accidentally giving away secrets, maybe, <laughs> you know, a little interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is that, that very small fraternity of professional hockey coaches, and many of them come up from either junior hockey, college hockey, the minor leagues. I remember when Bruce Cassidy was with the Providence Bruins, and <laughs> they were good there too, and we could go on and on. But those relationships, which might start out even in your junior days, then your professional playing days, and then scouting, and then coaching, and then coaching in the minors, then, co you know, a lot of these guys know each other uh, for a long time, and then when you meet somebody new, you have that instant connection. I'm sure it's like when we broadcasters meet other broadcasters, you might not know somebody. You and I, Ashley, we didn't really know each other right, before right. Uh, the last week or so, but there's just so much in common. You get off on the right foot, and there's a lot of similarities there, and you get to know somebody and maybe even exchange some secrets. Yeah, exactly. You guys have been great about that. I've been tips all over the yeah, place. Yeah, so we get the, that's why you have a notebook, right? Always jotting yes. things down. When Gosher starts yapping, you got to pay attention. He's, he's right always past. got something. Yeah, and, and guitar lessons, too. That's another story. So that goal that you heard there, Max Pacioretty from Nolan Patrick and Chandler Stevenson, that was the night's second power play. They ended up one for three. The earlier goal, which was in the second period, Paul Cotter. And Connor had a few scoring chances. Shorthanded breakaway in the first, and this one he finished on the pass from Dugan. And the, the play, you know, Brett Howden uh, set up Dugan, who then set up Connor for the goal. And that's where we'll turn next, as Will Nickel will be joining us in just a few minutes. Will is the director of player development for the Golden Knights. But those players who have been developing, you know, Howden has been developing in the Rangers organization, drafted by the Lightning, a few years with New York. But then you look at those guys in Dugan, Drafted by the Knights in 2017. Connor, of course, has been in the pro ranks for a couple of years, Chicago and then in Henderson. So those are the players who have developed, you're right? They're, they're the young 20s, and there they were together, and they um, helped create that goal last night. Yeah, that line looked great all night long, and it's interesting because Pete DeBoer said heading into that game about Brett Howden in particular that, you know, he's been good in camp, but there's so many things about his game that don't translate until you're in a game setting, right? So I think we started to see a little bit of that last night. And then a guy like Paul Cotter, that's huge for him. I know he's had some good yeah. camps here before as well. Um, but like you said, he had multiple chances. That line was looking great all night. And a guy like him, you don't know how many preseason looks he's going to get. You kind of have to earn your preseason looks as it goes on, right? So that's big for him. You never know. There's always going to be a couple surprises in camp, right? You just never know. So it's always good to see those guys stepping up like that. And because Mark Stone left the game early, the lines were a little bit jumbled. So starting out, Paul Cotter, Brett Howden, Peyton Krebs, and a fourth line, Berchi, Quinney, and Dugan. And again, some guys had to do some double shifting, and some things were adjusted when Stone left late in the first period. So it was uh, Dugan setting up Cotter. Uh, Howden got the second assist on that goal in the middle period. So among those, especially the, the, the developing players, prospects, minor leaguers, was there someone who caught your eye in the game last night, Ashley? That's a good question. Cotter stood out for sure. Um, you know, Logan Thompson, it wasn't the kind of game he wanted, but he came up big yeah. in some key times. Yeah. So there I'm excited. The Knights turned the puck over. It was sloppy, and the goalie is off and hung out to dry. But I thought, you're right. You made he some kept very him in it. He, he kept him in it a few times, yeah. you know. And remember, it did come – it was a 3-2 game at one point in yeah. the third period. Yep, you know, third, so, yep. you know, the score isn't completely indicative of – how the entire game went. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. If I could say him, he kind of caught my eye. I was excited to see Peyton Krebs because I had not seen him play in person yet. 
Um, and, you know, he just has a lot of pressure on him. So it's yeah. it's always interesting to see how the young kids handle that pressure. You know, Pete DeBoer said, while most people have to be really good, Peyton Krebs has to be even better. I don't remember the exact yeah. quote, but he has to be way better than good. He's It's it's just more to prove, right? Yeah. So it's always interesting to me to see how different people handle those situations. And, of course, the dynamic of trying to do too much for young players. They have Krebs. Lucas Cormier, you guys, you know, Lucas Cormier is 19 years old, right? right? You know, trying to figure out speed of the game, playing at this level for the first time. Krebs, of course, had gone from the WHL, had a few games in the American League, a few games in the NHL with the Golden Knights before he got the puck in the jaw and unfortunately ended his season. But we'll see. So let me pivot that forward here, Ashley, as the Knights have six preseason games remaining. Taken out the 18 skaters and the two goalies who were dressed for last night's game. Which three players, veterans, minor leaguers, prospects, which three players are you most eager to see in upcoming preseason games? Good question. You go I first because think... I'll give you my three, and we'll see if they're the same. Okay, number one, Keegan Colasar. Okay. Mm. There's a lot of anticipation about what he's going to bring, a lot of people talking about how much faster he is. He's been talking about how he's not going to be as hesitant to shoot the puck. So will we see more offensive production for him along with that physicality and that role that he brings? I'm really excited to see what he does with his opportunity. And, again, it's one of those confidence-based things, right? Before, he might have come into camp feeling like he really has to have something to prove. But he also said during his first media availability, this year it's more about just, like, not messing up, right? Not doing anything <laughs> terrible because, you know, you've kind of shown the coaching staff what you can do at this point. So he's number one. Brassois, I'm interested in seeing. Um, it's so important to have two goaltenders. So important. Yeah. As, as great as Robin Leonard is, especially with this condensed schedule, right? You're going to have the Olympic break in the middle of February. Everything after that is going to be super condensed. You're just going to need two goaltenders. Um, and, you know, whenever you can have that second goaltender get hot, that just it changes things, right? It takes a little bit of pressure off your number one goaltender. Um, it also gives the skaters confidence that, that no matter who's in net, they're, they're comfortable and they're playing loose. They're not gripping their sticks too tight and trying to score too hard because they don't trust the guy on the other end of the ice. Let me think of my number third. So this isn't necessarily for all season long, but I haven't gotten to see the Misfit line as much mm. as most people here in person. So mm -hmm. if I can make mm -hmm. them into one player, which okay. you know, I think a lot of people kind of look at them as they're yeah, not we'll, one. We'll give you, you that. Know, sure. Whatever. So I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see whenever they make uh, their preseason debut, whether that's tomorrow or down the road. I always find it really fun to watch whenever guys who haven't played together, you know, in a couple months come in and it's like, you know. No time lost. Yeah. Well, I like that. So the, the question, again, is aside from the players who dressed in preseason game one last night, which three players are you eager to see going into the rest of the preseason? I, I in the veteran department, thought of Riley Smith. Riley is not only uh, an important player in so many aspects of this team, penalty kill, power play, he has worn a letter on his jersey since the beginning. He's not a loud, talkative guy. He's got a great, sly sense of humor, and he's a bona fide leader. College hockey, Miami Redhawks, go Redhawks. My brother went to school there. And uh, I think that the leadership, you know, even though you've got Mark Stone as the captain, Riley is the guy who's been here through it all. Braden McNabb, too. Don't want to forget him. He had A on his sweater as well. But Riley, to me, um, is, is important in that role now as much as ever. Plus, he's coming off uh, not the best season that he's ever had, and I'm wondering how he rebounds. Riley Smith is the guy to watch on the veteran side for me. On the sort of in-between, and it's not really fair because Nick Waugh was in the NHL all of last year, but I'm going to say Nick Waugh. 
Remember, uh, he had gone back and forth from Chicago to Vegas two years ago, racking up the frequent flyer miles, was really impressive there uh, and how he did that. But this past season, the shortened season, he didn't start out very well. And if you break down the numbers and you look at his first handful of games, we went through the numbers, and I'll give them to you later on, Ashley. I think, we, did we talk about this? We did. We his did. first half of the season versus yeah. his second half of the season was outstanding. He and, can build on yes, that. Yes, and, so, and just the – the point is that he was so much better down the stretch, and then the playoffs really shine with the overtime goal in Montreal being the icing on the cake. So that's uh, how does Nick Waugh fit into all of this? Is he a fourth-line center? Does he move up and play a wing someplace? Uh, Nick Waugh. And then on the on the rookie side, uh, I'll go Daniil Cheka just because of the new contract signed yesterday. And, uh, we'll, well, in fact, we'll, we'll ask Will Nickel about uh, his opinion on, on that and other things coming up. Will is uh, going to join us in just a few moments, Director of Player Development for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Will joins us when we return. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And Coglin starts it out to Sarah and Paul Connor. Deals left and now in the middle. Here's Dugan to the right for Connor. Score! Top left corner from Paul Connor. And Vegas is on the board. Three minutes into the second period. Live from City National Arena, this is nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Nighttime at noon continues at 1235 on this Monday, September 27th at Studio 31 at City National Arena in downtown Summerlin. I'm Dan Duva with Ashley Vice. You just heard the goal last night. Paul Cotter from Jack Dugan and Brett Howden. That was at three minutes into the second period. And to talk about some of those youngsters especially, we've got the Golden Knights Director of Player Development, Will Nickel. Hi, Will. Hey, Dan. Hey, Ashley. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming by. This What's, is a great set. This is not bad. Yeah. Hey? yeah, yeah. It's, I uh, love it. I'm glad that the, 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 the torches aren't there, there right now. Yeah. I would always get concerned that the torch would light me on fire. Yeah, you don't want that. It's a virtual torch after all. Yeah. Uh, what's it like watching a preseason game after months of not watching NHL hockey? Well, it was. it felt like normal, right? Yeah. We didn't get to have it. It's been two years, right? Two years since we've had a rookie camp, two years since we've had a preseason uh, during normal times. So I, I guess the word that comes to mind is normal. Uh, it felt right. Uh, it's a great way for us to evaluate, like, our area. So for me, it's the young prospects. I heard you guys talk in this last segment about some of them. Lucas Cormier, you know, being one of them, it was great. It was his first time through it, and people forget that. We drafted him in 2020. I got to talk to him all last year, FaceTime with him all last year. Like, I know him extremely well. I've never met him in person until he came to the rookie Isn't camp. Isn't that wild? Never COVID, met him in person. Because of COVID, Yeah. Right? I have the same experience with Alex Petrangelo, yeah. who Ashley knows from St. Louis, of course, yeah. having done a bunch of interviews with Alex over the course of last year, and we finally shook hands sometime maybe during the Colorado series, and I said, Alex, you know, we've never met in person before. Yeah. He's like, no. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just kind of wild. Yeah. So. Well, so you mentioned Cormier, yep. and, you know, 19-year-old defenseman, and the, the point production in the queue last year really off the charts. Why was he given the opportunity to play that preseason game? What did you think of him, and, and what's the story? Well, obviously, Krim will have the, the final answer on that. Um, but in talking with Krim and George, we just felt it was important that we get him at least one game before sending him back mm. to Charlottetown for a lot of reasons. But one of them I, I really think was um, showcased last night. 
Okay, so the first period, he just kind of let things come naturally. He didn't force the play. He took what the game gave him, and he had a really successful period. And then the second period, like a lot of young players do, he got away from it a little yeah. bit, and I think he started to do things that you could get away with at the junior level, and he found out pretty quickly that that doesn't happen, right? That it's just not going to fly. <laughs> no. So for us, from a teaching standpoint, which is where I'm always coming from, it was a great thing. And then I give the kids so much credit because sometimes, especially young players, when the wheels start to come off a bit, it just goes, right? And Lucas had a good third period. So that tells us a lot about him. So we found out a ton about this young man in that game. Yeah. And I wonder just about, you know, playing with Zach Whitecloud. Yeah. Little, though Zach is still very early in his career, he feels like a veteran and a good partner to have. Yeah. That's going to be your first. You know what's neat, too, and – I don't want to go all over the place, but, you know, I was a, a part of getting Zach here with George oh, and yeah. Kelly and Mike Levine and Bob Lowe's, and, and I know Whitey really well. And uh, I found out through the grapevine that he, he got a hold of Lucas when he saw the lineup and said, let's go to dinner. Yeah. And that's Zach, right? And so we actually talked to Lucas about that this morning, Krim and I, about in three or four years when you're in this position, you need to do that. And that's great from a culture standpoint. Pay so, it forward. Yeah. Yeah, from your perspective, how big of a difference does that make whenever you see guys who come in and are immediately hanging out with the veteran players yeah. versus guys who maybe keep to themselves? How much does it, of a difference does it make just to kind of be ingrained in the NHL culture with the NHL players? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad that you asked it because, you know, obviously I've got a great relationship with Hag, you know, with Coughlin, mm -hmm. with Cole Lazar. Because I got to be with those guys from day one from a de development standpoint. But, you know, I've gotten to know Riley Smith. I've gotten to know uh, Marshy and Patch. But I don't know them as well. But I know them well enough where I grabbed a lot of them this week and just said, hey, thanks. Like, I see yeah. how you guys mm -hmm. are interacting with our young guys. Even the free agents, right, who uh, aren't drafted by us. They've been phenomenal. You know, I, and, and I think it's important that they know how much we appreciate that because it helps our culture so much because now when they become older, not older, but now, now <laughs> right, older not, in air quotes, well, now White Cloud has been yeah. here for a few years. Now he's he's all of 24 right, turns right, 25 right, in a couple right, of months. Right. So he's passing, an old guy. They're all passing that torch. That's yeah. Important. Yeah. That's really important. And, and then you yeah. think about the, the truly older players like an Alec Martinez and just the vibe that he gives off mm -hmm. and. You know, talking about you know younger uh, players, and that relationship is really neat. And we could talk about that all day. But yeah. I, I wanted to to ask, and our guest is Will Nickel here on Nighttime at Noon, Director of Player Development for the Knights. There are those guys like Lucas Cormier, who I don't believe had any illusions he was going to make the Golden Knights mm -hmm. roster coming out of this camp. But there are some guys who have been in Henderson sure. last couple of years. Like we've been talking about Paul Cotter scores a goal last night. Yeah. Pro ranks a couple of years. What's it like uh, those players? Paul is an example who, you know, they're right on the cusp, perhaps. Yeah, yeah so that's a great, I think, starting point is to talk about Paul. He had, a, I thought he had an excellent game yeah. last night. And why did he have an excellent game? Like, for me, Paul didn't try to do anything or be anything that he wasn't, right? Like, th that is going to be his script for success, whether he has to spend a little bit more time in Henderson or whether he's coming up to the Knights. Like, that's his game. And I was happy that some of the people who maybe didn't get over to Henderson last year got to see what Paul Cotter is and what he can be. So I was really proud of him on a lot of fronts. I thought he had a great game. 
You talked about he's going to be the kind of player he's going to be. He's not going to try to do anything mm -hmm. too crazy. But he actually said in his post-game press conference last night that maybe he feels like sometimes he does try to do too much. He and does. he said you, you <laughs> yeah. look at guys like Mark Stone mm -hmm. and Max Pacioretty, and they're not doing anything crazy. They're just in the right spots at the right time. What are your conversations like with young players? Because young players want to prove themselves. So I, sure. I know you tell them you don't have to do too much, but could you tell me what those conversations are like to really try to convince them Yeah, well, they're kids. I think we have to forget that. Or we, we have to remember that sometimes yeah. we forget it, right? And he, Paul Cotter is a young man, but he's still fairly young, right? And I don't say he's a kid, but when you talk about Cormier and Krebs, people forget, you know, Krebs is still a kid. And I think because the expectations are so high. Um, and I think it's important that they know, like, you're here for a reason, right? You got drafted by us for a reason. Be who you are. Right? Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't try to do too much. And I'm glad to hear that Paul said that because I've talked to Paul about that. Like Sometimes, like a lot of players, they get a little taste of doing something. Like, oh, I can try a little bit more. And we're not trying to handcuff them. We're not trying to say don't be creative. But, you know, stick to, stick to what's going to make you successful, consistent, shift in and shift out. Yep. Competition it's for crazy. a team that – right. For, this is – and I just talked with Brett Howden about this. New York Rangers, an organization with a bit of turmoil last year. Great organization, of course, historic organization. But I'm not sure too many teams have them high on their Stanley Cup favorites list. You're getting developed in an organization here that has already been to a cup final, unprecedented ex success for an expansion team, conference final of the last two years, and that is unacceptable. The, the goal, the expectation is higher than that. How, in cultivating a winning pedigree, does the organization approach that competitiveness? Uh, well, it's it's who we like. It's something that's pretty easy for me to discuss with with our draft picks. You so, know, what would you say to a draft pick? Well, the first thing I tell them is I'm the truth, you know. And for me to do my job properly, my my voice never gets above this level. But I'm going to be honest with you after a game. And in order for you to hit your ceiling, I have to be honest with you. You're not going to sugarcoat if somebody has a, a rough night. No, and something like, so we'll go back to Lucas Cormier. So this is the first time that I got to work with him in person. Yeah. And so after a game, it's not like real complicated. I'll just say, Ashley, how do you think you played? So like last night I said, Lucas, how do you think you played? And he says, I didn't like my second period at all. Well, I don't need to browbeat him and say, yeah, you know, I didn't. I just said, you know what, good for you for having good self-evaluation. What didn't you like? You saw the same things that he yeah, seen. Yeah, and let's, let's go to some teaching points. And, and more so, what did you like in the first? Like, what were you doing that was successful? Hmm. So getting back to your original question about competition, you know, we all know that Bill Foley talked to all of us right from the start, like what a what what a night is, right? It's the epitome of the warrior class, right? Never retreat, always advance. So it's really easy to build that into our culture when you're talking to these draft picks right away and you're establishing a relationship and who we are and what we're about. You went back again to it being the first time you worked with him mm -hmm. in with person. Lucas, yeah. Yes. What are the biggest things you've taken out of the last maybe 18 months from when you weren't able to work with prospects to now you're hands-on? Like, what are your biggest takeaways of what the most important thing is to having hands-on development? Well, it, it, I don't think there's anything like it face-to-face, -face, but just like every industry, we all tried to adapt and do what yeah. we could um, during COVID time. So it was video um 
it was video calls, it was watching video with these kids, and you try to do the best that you can, but it wasn't anything like last night in person with Lucas. On the same token, you know, some guys didn't even play last year, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you take that into account whenever you're evaluating, like, the way they come into camp, things like that? Well, I think you have to take into consideration to be fair to the kid. So, like, Daniel Diamato, who's still here, right, from Erie, mm-hmm. he missed his entire 16-year-old 16 year, 16 year because of a broken femur, and then he only played eight games last year because of COVID. And I think if you don't take that into account, you're not being fair to the kid. Yeah. For, for him as an example, how does the organization – find somebody like that, not drafted by the Golden Knights, find him and then see how much time he's missed but still think to give him a chance to come here for camp. So Bob Lowe, Scott Luce, Kent Hawley, those guys found him. It's it's actually an amazing story and and could become something even more so depending on how this kid pops. But he played at at a showcase in Erie. Did you know this? That was put on. That's why you asked, I'm sure. It was put on by 19 year old kids. And they couldn't get over how professionally done it was. And I think it was either eight or nine games. And Bobby called me and said, we got to get this kid to camp. Can you call him and call the agent? I said, yeah. So we called the kid the morning he got home. And he told me, he said, you guys were the first ones to call me. You told me there was only going to be 14 or 15 forwards at your rookie camp. I really like what your organization's about. That's why I'm coming. So it's a group effort. We don't have silos, right? We all work together. Mm-hmm. But good on the kid for going to the showcase and then good on our scouts for finding him. Wow. And how do you think he's done here? Great. Yeah. Yeah, he's done great. He's had a great impression or made a great impression on us. Obviously, he's still here, right? <laughs> right. So, which is, <laughs> which is, he's doing his part. Yeah. And I just, as I scan down, I mean, look at all of these names yeah. that were on the, the roster sheet for, for last night. I, I'm wondering, first of all, how do you keep track of everybody? But then, more seriously, how do you go about with the organization giving guys opportunities in these preseason games, making decisions there. Because for some guys, it's, you know, a lot of Golden Knights fans are thinking, you know, who's on the NHL roster. But you guys have a lot of other decisions to make as it trickles down. Yeah, I think Kelly and George and Pete, Manny, they all do a great job of finding that balance that you're talking about because obviously we know – what Mark Stone is and what he's yeah. going to be. and But we also need to find out some answers about people like, you know, Paul Cotter, who we've talked about. Zach Hayes last night got in for the first time, right? Yeah. So, and it's also good to see people like Dylan Coughlin be on the power play, right, last night, where he's got a lot of power play ability. He's got a bomb of a shot, and he got to be, you know, in that position last night. Is there anyone you can point to? Now, there's the names that you hear a lot about, but is there any underrated prospect that you think Golden Knights fans, maybe they don't get the look or the credit that they deserve, but you're going to like this guy? So tough question because these <laughs> they're all like my kids. Right? Yes. So, well, no, that's what I'm so not asking I don't, you. I don't, I don't, no, yes, okay. I'm not asking I'll, you the I'll best. You, I'll give you a one. Not the best, you, yeah. maybe just the most underrated, yeah, yeah. like flying under the radar, but you see a lot of potential. Yeah, so I don't think – I don't know if he's underrated. I, I, I think you get a real appreciation for him the more you watch him. That's Jonas Romberg. Mm. That's Jonas Romberg. He's such a good penalty killer, but he's more than that. He's got skill. He's got sense. He's strong. He's yeah. like the nicest kid. Like I've told my wife, if we had a daughter who was 22 years old, Jonas could 
good dater. Like he's like, yeah. so, he's always smiling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting because um, we think so much skate. about the player, but it's personality. Yeah, too. He's one of those that I think if you don't watch him close enough, yeah. He, he, it's like a good, solid defensive defenseman. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. But when you watch what he does, he's really yeah. – Last thing, Will Nicholas, our guest. Real quick, Will, and, and thanks so much for spending time yeah. with us. There are six more preseason games. Regular season for the Golden Knights starts. What's next for you in particular? Uh, I, good question. I will watch uh, the Tuesday game, and then I go home Wednesday. So I'm not based out of here. That's I'm based in Madison, Where are you Wisconsin. Based? Yep. Good town. Not, not Cape Cod in the summer. Not Oxford, Ohio. No. Though no, once. No. Um, yeah, good memory. But uh, so I'll go home. I'll see my wife. I haven't seen her in almost three weeks. And um, and then I go back on the road on Saturday. And, you know, it's usually about 200 days that, that you're out, you know, in that nine, ten, ten month uh, stretch. But in order to do the job correctly, I try to see each prospect, you know, eight to nine times a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if you were going to do it right – and I always tell them, you ask, what do I talk to them about when they get drafted? You'll get my best. I want yours in return. So, you know, you got to invest. you got to invest time, and they're all over the map, as you know. So they're, yeah. they're, they're not all in one spot. Yeah. So. You always bring your best to the radio interviews. Thanks so much, I Will. try. Thanks for having me on, you Thanks. guys. Yep. That's Will Nickel, Golden Knights Director of Player Development. We'll be right back with some advice for Ashley as she becomes acquainted with Las Vegas. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. 12.54 Pacific Time, a couple more minutes left on the program. We invite you to get the latest Golden Knights gear at the Armory at T-Mobile Arena, the Arsenal at City National Arena, or online at VegasTeamStore.com. Dan Duva here with Ashley Weiss. Latest addition to the Golden Knights broadcast crew. Ashley sent out a tweet a little while ago, which reads... I need some help now that I have the first preseason game under my belt. Unreal, by the way. Was. It was. What is the most important thing to know about living in Las Vegas? Best answers might make it on tonight time at noon. Oh, does that time of night time at noon get any good responses, Ashley? I did. So the most important one, and I'm glad I heard this before I got here. It's Nevada, not Nevada. Bingo. Thank goodness I read that somewhere. I think actually Stormy tweeted it yeah, at one that's point a good one. because she's from here. Mm-hmm. I might have come in here and said Nevada had I not Uh-oh. known. So thank goodness. Thank all of you. I might get just kicked right off this chair if I would have done that. So that's important. <laughs> Hydrate. That's a big one. Yep. I mean, this, this is no Hydrate. coincidence right Dan's here. Hydrating. Water, water yeah, bottles. We're all hydrated there here. There you go. Yep. Um, let me look. The other one I think somebody mentioned is something else on the desk here. Yes, sunglasses. Sunglasses, sunglasses and sunscreen. That's right. Someone said get everything done in the morning and in the evening. Chapstick to avoid the is heat. important for Chapstick, that kind of stuff. Good yep, to yep. know. Go to good the grocery to store when the sun goes down. Yes, someone said learn the back ways to the strip. Yes. I'm looking for the exact tweet. I think they said Harper is their best friend. So that's uh, important to know. Got to know that. Well, I'll be going to the strip for all these games, you know. Yeah, it was amazing. That yesterday you had the race, AAA baseball, Raiders in overtime, and then, of course, Golden Knights. First time it had happened with fans in attendance that everybody was playing on the same day. Incredible. That's what makes Vegas great and why I can't wait to be here. Made the cover of the Review Journal. I mean, it is is a sports town. If it wasn't already, boy, oh, boy. We're just getting started. One preseason game in the books. Another one tomorrow, Colorado Avalanche in town. At 7 o'clock, for Jared Justice, Dakota Miller, Will Jankowski, Floyd, 
For Ashley Vice, Dan Duva saying so long from our studios at City National Arena and have a great day.